Hola. Hello and welcome to this edition of Outside the Box Score. I am your host, Jonathan Michael. And as always, I will be joined by my co-host, the marvelous Joey Thompson, in just a few minutes. But before we get started, I want to mention to you that this podcast is brought to you by Rakuten. Rakuten is as easy as one, two, three. You start by going to Rakuten's website and find your store. These are the stores that you normally shop at. Macy's, eBay, Kohl's, Old Navy, Lululemon, Nike, Gap, Adidas, Levi's, Crocs. There's too many to mention, folks, but you go through Rakuten, you shop on their websites as usual. That's step number two. And number three is you get paid because you're earning cash back. You get paid via PayPal or check. Simple as doing the shopping that you already do at the places you already do it for the prices that you already pay, and you get paid to do it. How simple is that? Up to 15% cash back, and when you sign up through our special link in the podcast description, you'll get rewarded. Get $10, folks, just for signing up. So why not? Give it a try. Also, want to mention to follow along with us on Twitter. You can find us at J-M-O-T-B pod at M-T-O-T-B pod. We'd love to interact with you there. Also find me writing in various places on the internet, sharing blogs, sharing other thoughts on the issues that will all be shared via Twitter. We only do this once a week, but there is more content that we're putting out and you can find it there. Let's get into our first quarter and talk about America's Game of the Week in the NFL. It was a good week for OTB outside the box score. We were right a lot. Foles goes in for the Bears. They make a big comeback. Aaron Rodgers looks like that bad man. I had the heat in the finals. Russell Wilson looking like the MVP after being the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for four touchdowns in the first three games. Joe Burrow has been incredible. We've been on him since middle of the season before he was even commented on being the number one pick. And Carson Wentz, player to watch, looks like a more gifted, bigger Mitch Trubisky. Big thing to watch there for a moment. But I want to get into America's Game of the Week. On Fox, the Cowboys, America's team against the Seahawks and MVP Russell Wilson. And boy, were we right about Dak. I'd say Dak threw for almost 500 yards. But what were they? Yes, he went toe-to-toe with MVP to be Russell Wilson in a shootout. They came down to the wire and they lost 31-30. to but don't let the numbers fool you. Dak's a lot like that bag of potato chips that you buy at the store. You get it, looks full, like you're going to have a, a big old bag of chips. You open it up, half of it's air and empty, and the rest of it is empty calories. Dak Prescott, we now have a large sample size to draw from, a whole season's worth. Dak Prescott is 6-10. and 10. In his last 16 games, got a new coach, same result. 
But more importantly, when did these yards come? When did these numbers come? And when did the three turnovers, by the way, which he had, when did they happen? Two-minute drill at the end of the half. Need some points. Interception. Begin the half. Fumble. Need you to win the game, Dak. Interception. When did the yards come? When they were down 30-15. to They had soft defense. He was able to march up and down the field. So when I need something from Dak, when it matters, he's not able to deliver. And you want to get paid like a Patrick Mahomes? Jerry Jones was on radio just today saying winning those games is what separates him from Mahomes and Tony Romo. Boy, was that a shot. Tony Romo? Tony Romo didn't win anything in Dallas, but he was paid like a superstar quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes is paid like the superstar quarterback that he is. What is Jerry Jones telling you? He's not worth the money and he's not going to get paid. Dak better come back to reality and get a new agent. I think his agent, Todd France, has been working against his best interest, being greedy and trying to set the NFL record in getting his client the biggest contract in NFL history and come back with realistic expectations for what he's going to be paid next season. Because if he doesn't get that correct, he's going to be playing elsewhere within the next few seasons. It is now time to bring in the marvelous Joey Thompson. How you doing today, Marv? Hey, what's up, Jonathan? I'm doing great, man. Just enjoying this fall weather. It's week four, the NFL season upcoming. And man, these games have been crazy. It's been a lot of shootouts, a lot of close games. We even had a tie, so I'm enjoying it. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. The games to watch this week were incredible from the noon games, which I was keeping my eyes glued to that tie. That was very interesting quarterback play between Burrow and Carson Wentz, and and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. But those were great games. And then America's Game of the Week, that kind of had me entranced and locked into that uh, Russell Wilson-Dak Prescott showdown. And like I said, Dak Prescott did nice, and we can't take it away from him that he went head-to-head with the MVP candidate, Russell Wilson. But I still contend Russell Wilson is throwing to deck chairs and refrigerators most of the time. And 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 really, uh, DK Metcalf is becoming a star, truly, and Tyler Lockett as well is a star. But that's kind of a result of Russell Wilson, where you have the inverse with Dallas. You have a bunch of stars, a great offensive line, and those players are elevating Dak Prescott, which has been our argument. So I wouldn't want anyone to walk away from that game thinking, Wow, you got to pay the guy. He went head to head. There are those people on Twitter, but I'm saying they're wrong. I know you've agreed with me along the way, so we're not going to get into that. What I want to talk with you about is uh, we saw some serious regression uh, from some other quarterbacks. Most alarmingly, Carson Wentz, who looked completely lost against the lowly Bengals, and Lamar Jackson, who threw for 97 yards. You took issue with some comments Jackson made after the game. See, When I have a franchise quarterback, MVP-type quarterback, and he loses a game, I want him at the end of the game to say, we lost this, but we're going to make sure we we beat him next time. I like my quarterback to give his teammates that kind of confidence. I I had an issue with 
what Jackson said. He said the Chiefs are his kryptonite. Now, I understand he's basically accepting that the Chiefs are a better team and they're able to stop him, but I don't want that in my franchise quarterback. I want my quarterback to come out and say, all right, we took one in the chin this week. We're going to come back next week and we're going to win the game or or come out and say we're going to put the best product out there that this week was wasn't as up to par but next week we'll make sure we're going to put out a good product i like my my um leader my quarterback my young quarterback who's possibly the second or third best quarterback in the league to let my teammates know let his teammates know hey guys my bad but i got y'all next time and that, that's the only issue I had with him. As we mentioned, he is showing a little bit of regression. He's not the same Lamar Jackson we saw last year when he just flew off the, the tape, basically throwing five touchdowns basically every game. He was lighting up t- defenses. I was expecting a bigger game from Lamar Jackson, and so was many people that were tuning in to watch this shootout that we were thinking we were going to get. Uh, but in the beginning, the Chiefs were up 27 to 10 in the first half at one point, and it just got out of hand. And Lamar Jackson, unfortunately, cannot play from behind. And that's been a big, big issue in his career, as, as I've noticed watching his games. When he falls behind, he he can't he can't bring this team back. And, and in order to win Super Bowls and championships in the NFL. You got if you fall behind, you got to be able to be one of those type of quarterbacks that puts the team on your back and gets them back in the game. And I think that's the biggest problem Lamar has um, had in his career is he's not a quarterback that can bring you back and win the game. Have those fourth quarter comebacks where you're like, wow, if we're down 21 points, we know Lamar Jackson is going to put us on his back and we're going to come back and win this game. He's not there yet, and we're starting to see a little regression. His numbers, like as you mentioned, 97 yards. A lot of quarterbacks threw more yards than Lamar Jackson did this weekend, and none of them are as good as him. So that's a big alarming stat, and I hope he learns from this and doesn't allow it to happen again as the season progresses and makes better leader-type comments. You don't see Tom Brady saying, well, the Broncos beat me this week. They're my kryptonite. No, Tom Brady didn't say that. Tom Brady says, I messed up. Next time I'm going to do my job, and we're going to make sure we win. We're on to next week. Simple as that. That's all I want to see from Lamar. He's a great, talented guy. But I was kind of upset when he made those comments. I see where you're coming from. Now, I appreciate his humility and what he said, and I understand where he was coming from saying kind of in the context, I need to get better. I need to do more. They're my kryptonite, so I need to work to overcome that. But I think you're absolutely right in the sense that he is the leader. He is the field CEO. He is the one everyone looks to. And if you're saying, oh, that's my kryptonite, everyone around you is going to start being like, hmm, man. He doesn't have confidence. Where's my confidence? I don't have any anymore now either. And so I see the big concern there. And to Lamar Jackson's play on the field, 97 yards passing, I had said in the beginning, well, not the beginning of this season, at the end of last season, look, the guy 
threw for, I believe, 35 touchdowns last season. He was the MVP. He had an incredible year. He burst on the scene. Nobody really expected that. We expected progress, but in the second year, did anyone expect Lamar Jackson to be MVP? Uh, only fanboys, only only crazy people, to be honest with you. He was incredible. So I said, he's going to regress this year. Every quarterback does. In their second year, when there's actually tape on them, the defense counters, and then you figure out how to counter them at the end of year two into year three. Does that mean Lamar Jackson is a failed prospect, a failed quarterback? No, he was MVP. He took 100 steps forward. Let him take five steps backward and figure out his way to take 50 steps forward. We have an incredible talent here. A couple of things I noticed in the game. Needs to learn how to put touch on the deep ball. Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson are excellent at this. They put a lot of arc on the ball and let it fall into the receiver's breadbasket, his lap there. Lamar puts a very, uh, what would you say, without being able to draw it, a very flat ball. Just kind of comes in there, zips it at him, and it has no margin for error there. So that's kind of a concern that he has to work on. But am I going to say this guy's no good anymore? No, he's just got to go back to practice and work on it. And uh, he could certainly use some help, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But Lamar Jackson's going to regress a little bit. It's going to be all right. The Ravens are going to figure this out. They have had a tough time. He's now 0-3 against the Chiefs. But you kind of have a Hall of Fame MVP type player and Patrick Mahomes and the best weapons in NFL history and the second best coach for the last 20 years behind Bill Belichick and Andy Reid. So what are you going to do there? Marv, we mentioned a couple names in this segment, Lamar Jackson and Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was the favorite to win MVP before his injury in the Eagles Super Bowl year. And uh, Lamar was MVP last year. Who are you more concerned about going forward in what you're seeing in their regression of play, or are you not concerned about either one? I'm more concerned about Carson Wentz. Uh, as you mentioned, he's looked lost out there. Um, I could say I could credit it to all the major injuries the Eagles have had on the offensive line. They've been shuffling a lot of guys through their offensive line. Also, he's lacking wide receivers. All his wide receivers have been hurt all year. So I can I cut him a little slack there. He still has Ertz, but of course that's just one guy. He just lost Goldert for the next few weeks. He just uh, fractured his ankle. So he's losing weapons left and right. So I, I'll cut him a little slack there, but I'm still worried because even then he should be producing. He's a franchise quarterback. He got paid like one. So I believe he should go out there and lead his team regardless of who he has because you don't hear Russell Wilson make those uh, excuses when he's uh, when he loses two running backs or three running backs or two receivers. He still continues to produce and win games. And I think after Carson Wentz injured his knee, that kind of mentally got stuck in his brain. And now when he's out there, it seems he he's playing scared. He's worried about taking hits to the knee. He doesn't take the same chances he used to during that MVP season when they were running the RPL to perfection. Now Carson Wentz looks like a former shell, shell of himself, and it's a little concerning. He's still young. Uh, we, we'll wait and see as the season progresses once he starts getting these guys back on into the lineup. And if he doesn't get any better, then – that Jalen Hurts draft pick looks a lot smarter than a lot of people thought it was during draft day. So keep 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 it tuned, people, and um, keep following up on that. We'll see as the season progresses, see what happens. 
Yeah, who would have thought that with the Jalen Hurts pick? It was infuriating to most Eagles fans thinking they had a franchise quarterback, but Carson Wentz looked like a backup. And what I actually look for is uh, positive plays on the tape that were actually negative plays. When you look into advanced film study, there was a point in that game where Carson Wentz ran for a touchdown and tied the football game at the very end with less than a minute left, sent it in overtime, and it ended in a tie. But he missed a wide-open receiver by two, three, maybe even five yards coming across the middle. He should have thrown that football, and his coaches are looking at that like, what, do we have a backup quarterback here? Let the ball go. Throw it. He should not have been running the football. And sometimes those what looks like positives to the average viewer, to the average fan, even on his positive plays, he looks bad is my point. He just needs confidence. It's not a lack of physical ability. It, it really is in the brain, like you said. So we'll keep a close eye on what's going on in Philadelphia, but it's not looking good. Good news for Philly, though. 0-2-1 in uh, the NFC East puts you in first place. <laughs> <laughs> well, close to it. The, my my my, my fault. Well, half a game back on the Washington football team. Am I right? Yeah, so, half a game. <laughs> half a game back. Oh, two and one. That's what'll get you in the NFC East. How lucky they are to be in the East Coast of the United States. <laughs> With that, let's get into our second quarter and talk about the NBA Finals matchup. The NBA Finals are now set. It will be the Los Angeles Lakers against the Miami Heat. LeBron's current team versus LeBron's former team. It's all about LeBron James. LeBron is now in his ninth finals in the last 10 years. And by the way, he only missed the one because he was injured and didn't play in the playoffs. Nine consecutive seasons of LeBron playing equals nine consecutive finals. And once again, LeBron enters as the underdog according to 538 statistical model. The Heat have a 73% chance to win the NBA Finals according to Nate Silver. And this is where I was wrong, very wrong. I took the Lakers to lose in the first round to Portland. But almost no one had the Lakers in the finals, except for the fanboys. So I'm left sitting here wondering, how did this happen? How did we all get it so wrong? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because the Lakers are a bad team. And this speaks to the greatness of LeBron James. And that's why it's all about LeBron. Now, let me contextualize this for you. If I were to pick teams like we were going to play on the playground and you gave me the Lakers versus all the teams that they played, and you just had to pick the best five to 10 players. I'd take LeBron first, and then I'd take Anthony Davis probably second in most cases. But let me go through the teams that they played and tell you who I'd take after LeBron James and Anthony Davis to fill out my roster before anyone on the Lakers. The Blazers, Dame, McCollum, Nurkic, Whiteside, Skinny Mello, Gary Trent Jr., The Rockets, Harden, Westbrook, Covington, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, Nuggets, Murray, Jokic, Gary Harris, Michael Porter, Paul Millsap, and now the Heat. Butler, Bam, Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. That's before I even consider putting a Lakers player on the roster. It's not even close. 
Dwight Howard, I take for his defense and playoff Rondo because it's playoff Rondo. Doesn't make any sense. Don't like Rondo at all, but in the playoffs, he's something special. So for all the haters that have said for all these years, LeBron needs a super team. He's the creator of super teams. He can't get there without the super team. What do you have to say now? What are you going to hold against him? I don't like the debate between LeBron and Michael Jordan, and I'm not here to say LeBron is better than Jordan or worse for that matter. Did it look like Jordan faced anything like this when he had Pippen, Rodman, Kukoc, and Kerr facing off against Carl Malone? That 72-10 and 10 team was like an all-star team. There's a reason the Lakers enter this series as heavy underdogs. And there's also a reason I'm now ignoring the numbers. And that reason is LeBron James. I am taking these Los Angeles Lakers to be the NBA champions. Now, Marv, you've been against the Lakers all the way with me. I had them losing to Portland. We both had them losing to the Rockets. And they just keep on winning. Rosters be damned. It doesn't matter. LeBron James, along with the powerful sidekick, Anthony Davis, keep on winning basketball games. So my question for you, are you changing sides with me? I'm jumping on the Lakers bandwagon. Uh, What LeBron does cannot be measured. His leadership, his his will to win is contagious. When LeBron James is on the court, his teammates elevate their play. He elevates everyone else's play on the court. And that's something we failed to realize early on in the playoff process. Uh, We were like, well, it's going to be LeBron and then everyone else. Maybe AD would chip in here and there. But to our surprise, every game, there has been a different guy who comes in and steps up to the plate and helps LeBron win the game with him. LeBron will drop 30 points. You know, LeBron does what LeBron does. But he always gets someone that we don't, we least expect to step up to the plate and and do well. Uh, As we saw last series, it was Dwight Howard. He was uh, played Excellent, superb defense on Jokic. Jokic was doing whatever he wanted in earlier uh, series. He was destroying teams. And he came versus the Lakers. He was not putting up the same numbers. Dwight was getting in his face. Dwight was being physical with him. Things like that. And and I believe in this finals that we're going to see, the Heat, if you compare them by the roster, the Heat has a younger, more athletic, possibly more physically talented team than the Lakers. But they don't have LeBron James. And at the end of the day, LeBron James has been on a tear. He's been on his revenge tour, basically. The people were calling him washed up. They said it's just it for LeBron James when he missed the playoffs last year. Well, LeBron James is here to remind everyone that he's still here. He's still the greatest basketball player that walked this earth. And he's going to go ahead and win the championship. And that's what, what I'm seeing. Uh, I'm never doubting the man again. I've been doubting him for too long. I should have known better. LeBron is hungry. LeBron's out to prove the critics wrong. Uh, as we saw at the end of the Nuggets game, after he beat the Nuggets, LeBron didn't celebrate. You know why? Because he knows the journey's not over. 
Journey's not over till he's hoisting that um that uh O'Brien trophy from that mistake. I forget the name of the trophy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I saw you want to say Lombardi, but <laughs> that's what we always say. The O'Brien no, trophy. You. So that's the only way you're gonna see LeBron out there smiling and celebrating because then he'll know that the journey has ended for this season. And, and I respect that. I saw the images of him sitting there on the court, just focus. That's the look of a man that's determined to win. And I respect that in LeBron. And and I'm taking the Lakers to also beat the Miami Heat. Yeah, and your comments on having the better, younger, more athletic team, that's where the statistical model comes from. It's just a better team. And the Lakers have been playing against better teams all year in the playoffs, in the bubble. They're better teams. That doesn't mean they have a better player. I mean, all your chips are in on LeBron. Like us, if we're on the Lakers, we're on LeBron and Anthony Davis as well, who deserves a lot of credit. But I look at LeBron bringing the best out of people like Dwight Howard, like you said. Dwight Howard's big goofball, never won anything, comes in and locks down a superstar at his old age with LeBron. I mean, he's Dwight Howard's great, but when I say old age, he's far diminished from what he was at one point physically, yet he's playing better than he has in a, in a long time. And Anthony Davis, what did he do before LeBron James? Nothing. Won one playoff game and put up a bunch of empty numbers in the regular season. So, man, I, I don't see a way that you can look past LeBron and not acknowledge his greatness. I don't know how people are going to do it. They're always going to do it. They're going to say it's because of the bubble or they're going to figure out some new reason because there's always something that the the uh, troll nation led by Skip Bayless is going to be saying about LeBron James. It's just the way that it is. But for me, when I bring up the Michael Jordan comparisons and commentary, again, I don't want to compare the two necessarily, but it's what everyone does. Let's just appreciate what LeBron's doing. Let's appreciate that Jordan was perfect in the finals. And we, I know you and I both agree on this and everyone else in the world. We loved watching the last dance. It was incredible. And there were obstacles that Jordan faced. It wasn't all easy street all the time. But to go to nine straight finals in the seasons that you've played and just rule a decade and you play against super teams with the Warriors when you get to the finals, there's a reason the guy's three and six in the finals. And it's because he ends up playing super teams most of the time. And people say, well, he's got to have a super team. Well, he doesn't have one this year and it looks like he's going to win one. I'm really looking forward to the finals because I do believe the Heat are the better team, but the Lakers will be victorious. It is now time to get into our third quarter, which you all have been waiting for. It's money making Marv time. Took a little bit of a dive last week, two and three, but he's even on the season, five and five. We're ready to get back into the money. So here comes money making Marv right at you. Marv, give us your first money making pick. All righty. So I'm going with the Bears plus two and a half. The Bears are coming off of a big comeback, second week in a row. But this time they had a new quarterback, Nick Foles. I really like how their offense ran with Nick Foles look a lot smoother. The offense was hitting on all cylinders, and they were able to uh, complete the comeback and beat the Atlanta Falcons. I like the Bears to continue that hot streak at home versus the 2-1 and one Indianapolis Colts who are getting two and a half points in Chicago, which I'm not 100% sure why they're getting 
so many points, but I really like the Bears to cover that two and a half. You bring up an excellent point as to why are they getting two and a half points. That's my question here. I believe there are some sort of uh, statistical inaccuracies here with the Bears and being unable to measure the value of Nick Foles to this offense as opposed to Trubisky. Nick Foles is not excellent. He's never been in his lifetime as a quarterback, though he's been a Super Bowl MVP. He's not been extremely gifted is what I mean to say by excellent, but he's perfect for this offense. It's a timing rhythm and be in your spot at the right time offense. And to give this line to the bears at home plus two and a half. Now with handicapping, if you're the home team, you automatically start as the three point favorite under normal circumstances per Vegas odds makers. Now with COVID it's two and a half. So you're telling me that these Colts who beat the jets and lost to the Jaguars are four and a half points better than the bears. No freaking way. Big agreement. I'm on the Chicago Bears, and I think I'm actually going to bet this week and bet that game because it's such a bargain. Uh, Marv, give us your second pick. My second pick is the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this team has been struggling all year, and they've come to barely beat the Atlanta Falcons, same way the Bears came back on them. The Cowboys are at home. Jerry Jones has gone on some um, live like appearances talking about the Cowboys' uh, performance. So I expect the Cowboys to have a big game this week against the Cleveland Browns in Dallas. Cleveland is 2-1 and one for the first time in however long seasons. They haven't been above 500 in so long. So they're on cloud nine right now. And I have the Cowboys bringing them back down to earth and covering that four and a half points in Dallas. Yeah, you're going to get agreement from me here as well. Look, we you might think we pick on Dak Prescott. He's a nice quarterback. He does well with plenty of good players around him. Just don't think he's worth the money. And this is the exact spot that the Cleveland Browns lose football games when they play decent football teams. I don't know what else to say there. They have a nice running game, but it's going to be at Dallas on the road. Baker's going to try and be Baker and make some dumb throw across the safeties like he did against Washington. And by the way, Washington gifted them the game with Dwayne Haskins struggling. It really should have been a lot closer. And Marv got screwed on that spread because of Dwayne Haskins, folks. Uh, He should have had a winning week. That was a good pick. Everything was looking good. But sometimes the luck just doesn't break your way. Uh, see definitely Cowboys winning and they should cover win by a touchdown. Marv Baker's always throwing across. He misses where the safeties are. Are you noticing that as well? I mean, I'm not trying to exactly just pick on him, but it's every week there's a safety that he doesn't know where he's supposed to be. And luckily he dropped it. Did you see that one this week? The, the safety for the Washington football team dropped it. Yeah. It seems what Baker's big problem is he likes to lock into his receivers and he doesn't know how to look off the safeties. And that's been a reoccurring issue that I've noticed in the past uh, few seasons he's been in the league. He likes to lock in. And then before you know, he makes the throw at the last second. And that's when he notices the safeties crossing in front and picking them off. Something you can fix, but I I believe that's something that he just does second nature. And it's going to be hard to like it, take it, away it, from him. It might be that, and it, I think it could partially be that, but one thing I notice is that is usually trying to throw to Odell Beckham, which again, Cleveland, get rid of him. It's not that I don't love Odell Beckham. I do love Odell Beckham. He's one of my favorite players, uh, one of the best players to watch in the NFL, but you can't have this 
player trying to develop in Baker Mayfield, forcing it to a guy who demands the football. You need to get the most that you can for OBJ to develop your team for the betterment of the football team and for the betterment of OBJ's career. This trade works. But I digress, Marv. The people are waiting for your money making picks. Give us number three. Number three is the Kansas City Chiefs. I have them covering seven points. Uh, They dominated, as we all saw on Monday night, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, The Chiefs were the underdog, and they ended up beating the Ravens pretty handily. Uh, At one point, they were up by 17 points in the first half. So I'm never betting against the Chiefs. I'm taking them minus seven at home against the Patriots. Of course, the Patriots are looking a lot better than a lot of us have predicted. But one thing is for sure, Patriots, for some reason, always lose to the Chiefs. And in the last couple of seasons, Pat Mahomes has had the Chiefs number other than that one game where they lost to the Patriots, I believe, in overtime. But since then, Pat Mahomes has dominated them and put up a lot of points against them. This one's going to be in Kansas City. It's going to be chilly out there. There's going to be some fans in the stands. I like the Chiefs to cover seven. You're going to get disagreement from me here, and that is because the Patriots are excellent at running the football, and the only way to stop Patrick Mahomes is to keep the ball out of his hands. If he has it, there's no way to stop him. It's impossible with those weapons because what Belichick usually does is he takes out your number one threat, your number one receiver. So what did they do against the Raiders last week? Darren Waller had one catch for, I believe, three yards. He just eliminated him. And then Carr had nowhere else to go. But with the Patriots, they're able to keep it out of his hands. That's the only way to do it. And it's too many points for me to give. I'll give the Chiefs uh, to win the game by three to six points. It's going to be close. But I'll take the Patriots to cover here. So you're going to get disagreement. Now, Marv, I accidentally stole some of your thunder here because your next pick involves a team that I mentioned. So give us your fourth pick. My fourth pick is the Bills minus three over the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I watched a lot of the Raiders versus Patriots game. And as you mentioned, the Patriots did just that. They shut down the Raiders offense. And I was very impressed by the uh, how well the Patriots were able to shut them down. But I was very disappointed in how the Raiders went out there flat. Uh, Waller was completely shut down after having a historic game on Monday night against the Saints where he had about 12 catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Then he goes out and lays an egg in New England, one catch for four yards. I like the Bills. The Bills have been um, the Bills have been amazing. They've uh, found ways to win games. Bills, let's put it like this. Each and every week, the Bills are getting small spreads, and they keep covering them. This week is no different. Uh, I believe the odds makers were looking at it, and they're giving the Raiders a lot of love because of what they did to the Saints. But I'm not believing in that hype. I'm taking the Bills three points. The Bills are winning at least by a touchdown. I like what Josh Allen is doing. He is the second best player right now in the uh, NFL as a quarterback. Right behind Russell Wilson, what he's doing is also amazing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was just getting ready to jump on board and give you all the credit, and then you put uh, uh, 
what's his name? Josh Allen ahead of Aaron Rodgers, that bad man, Aaron Rodgers. I don't know about you anymore. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, you made the point and uh, I, I got a little bit ahead of myself, but the blueprint is there for the Bills to stop the Raiders. You have to take away Darren Waller. That's what they're going to have to do. I look at the matchup. I see coach against coach. John Gruden, very good against um, Sean McDermott, very good. Quarterback against quarterback. I like Derek Carr. I also like Josh Allen, not as much as you, but I do like him, and I've seen the most progress of any quarterback this season from last year being Josh Allen. They've done a great job coaching him up, and he's been awesome, not better than Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. So we have a very even matchup here. But who's easier to stop? What do, you, what do you have to stop here? You just have to stop Waller, as you said in our pre-show prep. And that's it. It's the, the blueprint was given to you by the Patriots, and you just have to execute the same thing. They don't have anyone else to go to. Uh, Ruggs is hurt. Their other guy, Williams, who used to play for the uh, Chargers and has been hurt on and off for the last couple of years. He was their number one wide receiver, actually paid to be their number two wide receiver behind Antonio Brown. But the Bills are the better football team. They're only giving a field goal. It's pretty much a neutral site here. Bills, far better team. Take them. And by the way, you mentioned the Saints. The Saints are a ginormous fraud. They're not very good. It's painful to watch Drew Brees. I'm sorry. Can't throw beyond 10 yards. But Marv, give us your fifth. And final, money-making pick. This pick was a really tough one because we even spoke about him during this. Uh, we had a segment talking about him in the first uh, first quarter. That's Carson Wentz. I believe the Eagles are going to cover plus seven against the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco is badly beat up. The Eagles are too. But the Eagles cannot be this bad. <laughs> I was not expecting them to be this bad. And as we mentioned, they're only half a game out of first place. So they're going to play a lot harder in San Francisco. Their last few games, I believe, were in Philadelphia. For some reason, the Eagles have been struggling in Philadelphia. But when they go on the road, they seem to play a little bit better. So I got the Eagles covering plus seven against a beat-up San Francisco 49er team. I love the value of this pick. You're getting seven points with a respectable, well-coached team with a talented but struggling quarterback and a very good Super Bowl winning coach against the 49ers at home, no fans, very injured, backup quarterback, and you're getting seven points. That's a lot of points. So I don't love the Eagles. I'm not sure that they'll win, but you just got to figure they're going to keep it close. Like you said, they're going to be playing hard. And uh, every game is kind of a must win. I know they play in the worst division in, in NFL history for the last running three years, but like you make the point, they're, they're going to have to play it close and they're going to have to win every game. They're going to have to have that attitude that they need to win every game going forward. So I like them to cover. So get your picks in folks. Marv gave you the five money making picks. We expect them to have a big week this week after just a, a slight losing week because of Dwayne Haskins. Thank you, Dwayne Haskins. You can send Marv a check back for the money that he lost with your rookie contract that's worth millions. We'd appreciate it. And with that, let's get into our fourth quarter, our quick hitters. We're going across the leagues. We're sticking to the NFL as well as a little bit of NBA today. So here we 
Go. Marv, we have a COVID problem in Tennessee. Several players and personnel tested positive. What is the NFL going to do? So the NFL went ahead and released a, a statement once it occurred. So it's five coaches and staff and three players. I believe the NFL is going to go ahead and uh, play the game as scheduled. They're just going through all their protocols. The NFL has been really prepared for this kind of situation. Uh, they've been watching over the offseason. Other leagues do it like the MLB. And I, and I believe the NFL is prepared. And I know the NFL is going to get this uh, under control. They've already isolated the five workers, employees, and um, the three players. They've already placed them on the COVID list. Uh, their names have already been released as well. So they're three deaf type players, backups, and a long snapper. Um, so it shouldn't affect the Titans if they, let's say, happen to play on Sunday. Uh, my best bet is they play on Monday, so it would be fair for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Titans. It gives the Titans at least two days to prepare practice-wise once they get back to their facility. And then on Monday they can do their walkthrough, which would be they could treat it kind of like a Thursday night football game when they have a short week. So I, I like what the NFL has in place uh, for this COVID. Uh, the Vikings were also affected by this. Uh, they shut down their facilities today. I believe the Vikings will get back to their facilities within the next two to three days. Uh, once these tests come back and they confirm the you know, the certain players and certain uh Coaches and Tennessee were the only ones affected. So I, I see this turning out to be a good thing for the NFL. And uh, so other teams can become more alert and learn from this. And it's just a learning experience. And uh, I trust the NFL more than any other league. These guys always find way solutions and always make it work. So we'll see. We'll continue to um, follow this and see how it turns out. Hopefully it doesn't postpone or cancel any games um, this week. Yeah, and to clarify, the Vikings will be shutting down because they played the Titans, so they could have contracted or come into contact with COVID, and they're waiting to confirm those tests. Uh, the only thing I have to say here is that the Vikings – the only thing I have to say here is that the NFL has my utmost trust and respect to make this decision. They've been right and right and right again. Uh, I, I actually disagree. I would think that instead of postponing the game by a day, you could work around the schedule. Um, that's my inherent belief, kind of just off the cuff. However... When it comes to the NFL, they've run through every scenario and every sort of contingency plan, so they know a lot more than I do, and everyone must be prepared for this scenario so that they'll have enough practice time to be prepared and that so no one will get injured because the NFL uh, puts player safety at a paramount at the most important thing that they do. Obviously, it's a physical game. People are going to get hurt, but they do their very best to protect players and so I think it'll be okay, and they know a lot more than I do. So I think this will work out very well. And as you said, Marv, it's 
a wake-up call. It's some backups, but this is a reminder to everyone, hey, your actions affect the whole team, affect the whole league, affect everyone's uh, ability to make their paychecks from the best player in Patrick Mahomes down to the water boys and everyone else in the minor staff. They got to provide for their family as well, and they rely on this job. So it's very important to go to the facility, go home, stay away from contact with anyone at a bar, a restaurant, et cetera. You got to be careful um, because your livelihood is on the line. Next, after 97 passing yards for Lamar Jackson, is it time for the Ravens to sign Antonio Brown? I thought about that really good, really good for a while. And I believe this is the perfect time for the Ravens to go out and sign Antonio Brown. See, that's what Lamar Jackson is lacking. He's lacking a safety blanket. He's lacking a sure-handed possession receiver that can run routes. Currently, what the Ravens have is Willie Sneed as that guy. And Willie Sneed is not very consistent. He's never been a world beater. He's a decent receiver, but he's not Antonio Brown. Then they have Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown is Antonio's biological cousin. He is really fast, and that's it. The guy doesn't run the greatest routes, and he doesn't run down the middle. Antonio Brown does everything you ask for him for from a wide receiver. He also, during the offseason, worked out with Lamar Jackson, so they built that rapport, and I thought that was huge. So now is the time before the season gets a little later to at least get Antonio Brown into the building, get him to the playbook. Of course, he won't be able to practice until after week eight because he's uh, serving the eight-week suspension currently. But get him up to par, get him ready, and then after your week eight game, which would be against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you would get Antonio Brown back on week nine. What better way to finish the rest of the season than with the future Hall of Fame wide receiver catching passes from Lamar Jackson? I think he's the missing piece that they've been missing for a while. They need someone like him, and he can help the Ravens get over the hump, and that would be perfect. I believe what Monday night showed us, the Ravens versus the Chiefs, was the gap between the two teams is huge and it's growing. There was a sentiment out on Twitter from multiple people, so I can't take credit for it. But uh, when it was 20 to 10, a couple people were saying it's the biggest blowout at 20 to 10 that I've ever seen. And it was true. I mean, the, the score was kind of misleading. It wasn't that close. We were looking at 27 to 10, I think at one point it was. And if it wasn't for a fumble, it could have easily been 35 to 10. Uh, fumble comes into play and Ravens start coming back. As you mentioned, you need a security blanket for a developing quarterback, starting with Peyton Manning to Marvin Harrison, Tom Brady to Deion Branch, Aaron Rodgers to Greg Jennings, Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. And Goff to Cooper Cup, we saw what happened last year when young quarterback Jared Goff didn't have Cooper Cup. He struggled. Now he's looking a lot better this year. So that guy that can run every route, the slant, the dig, the deep ball, and keep the defense off balance, and you always know as a young quarterback where he's going to be, that's what A.B. can be. 
And if you sign him, you're not really having to guarantee anything to him. He should be happy playing with his cousin. So that should kind of qualm your concerns with his attitude and all the problems that he brings externally. And I really see Lamar Jackson as somebody who can handle him. I know he's a handful, but Lamar Jackson's very mature, very smart. And I would trust those two to pair together and work together well. Next, Marv, we shift gears to the NBA. Doc Rivers has been let go, a.k.a. fired. Uh, were you surprised? At first, the shock value of the firing surprised me. But then as I look back and think about it, I look at the roster the Clippers had. There's no way on God's green earth that Clipper teams should have lost to the Denver Nuggets up 3-1 to one in that series. They should have even swept the Nuggets with the talent they had. And nope, they they took their foot off the gas. And here we are with the Clippers out of the playoffs and Doc Rivers without a job. Now, reports were out there saying that Kawhi and PG and a lot of the star players were approached by the ownership of the Clippers. And they were going to decide to keep Rivers. But this is solely Balmer's choice to go ahead and move on from Rivers, which I think it's a smart move. Problem with Rivers is he's a guy that when he has too much talent on his team, he basically doesn't really coach them. And that's what the Clippers need, a guy that's going to come in there and motivate them and get these guys to perform up to their, their standards. They they performed under their standards. They played they played down to the competition, and that was their problem. They didn't seem motivated, and it didn't surprise me when um, they parted ways. We all saw it coming eventually, because when you have a team full of stars and you expected to win, that's the expectation. You lose, your leash is short, and that's what happened to Rivers. His leash was cut loose, and he is now gone. And we're going to see who's going to take over that uh, vacancy in the upcoming weeks. You mentioned that the players really like Doc Rivers. Of course they did. Doc Rivers is uh, the dad, the fun dad, that when mom's on the business trip, he lets you eat ice cream for breakfast. Players love Doc Rivers because he doesn't really coach him. He lets them do whatever they want, and that results in – uh, Doc Rivers' coaching career being uh, or having blown three three to one leads. They won a championship because of Kevin Garnett's leadership and keeping players account uh, accountable in Boston. But he got severely outcoached in the series that they lost. I look to the Lakers series to confirm this. The Lakers struggled with the Nuggets in the first two games. But they put Dwight Howard on Jokic, and they never lost again. There was a matchup problem or a rotation problem with the Clippers that was never solved. They were up 3-1. to one. You had three games to make adjustments and figure it out, and he did not. Yes, the players had uh, low energy in the seventh game. Paul George uh, was a disaster in a lot of spots, but that wasn't enough of an excuse to put it all on Paul George or an excuse to put it on game seven. You had more games before that. 
I saw a lot of coaching problems in that matchup. Michael Malone was a lot better than Doc Rivers, and that was the difference. Marv, back to the NBA Finals. One of the potential reasons the Heat are favored here by some models is that Eric Spolstra is not only the better coach, but he knows LeBron well as he coached him for many years in Miami. Are you buying that's going to make a difference? I'm not buying it at all. I don't think any coach can take away what LeBron James can do on the court. Coaching can do so much, but if you don't have a player to match LeBron James, there's no way that Spolster is going to be able to coach up his team enough to stop LeBron. LeBron's going to go out there and LeBron's going to perform. So I'm not buying that at all. Yeah, I don't see it. Because if you want to say, oh, you can figure out how to expose LeBron's weakness, and he knows LeBron's weakness. What is LeBron's weakness? He can shoot. He can pass. He can play defense. He can do everything. So if you take away his three-pointer, he'll drive. If you take away his drive, he'll shoot threes. If you take away his offense, he'll pass it. Whatever. It doesn't matter. LeBron will be fine. Lakers will win the series. And finally, we shift back to the NFL. Earl Thomas, star safety formerly with the Ravens, is now a free agent because he likes to get his car washed when it's time for practice, but I digress. He's going to be meeting with the apparently desperate 0-3 Texans soon, according to reports. Would you sign him if you're the Texans? I would. If I'm the Texans, Texans defense is really bad. They've been exposed the first three weeks of the season. But as we're recording, I, I did receive a notification Earl Thomas's meeting with the Texans has been canceled uh, because of COVID precautions. Uh, so I believe the Texans are still interested in him, but they're currently just being cautious with what's going on right now with the Titans situation. So it's going to be something that we're going to keep following up on. And I like Earl. Earl's a great player, but he seems like he's not all there. So maybe this could be also an excuse for Bill O'Brien to, you know, at the last second pass on Earl Thomas. So we'll see how that ends up uh, as the week progresses into next season. I'm sorry, next week. As I mentioned, Earl Thomas is the definition of a head case. He is a problem, but you know what else is a problem? The Texans, they're 0-3. They can't stop a nosebleed. They have a franchise quarterback and a very desperate coach to win some games or else he is going to be fired. And he will be fired because they're not going to win a lot of games. They'll be 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine with or without Earl Thomas. It is a step in the right direction. I have to say this, Marv. When I was watching that Ravens game, could have used Earl Thomas. Not sure it would have made that big of a difference, but the Ravens were significantly weaker against a very, very good offense. Earl Thomas is a playmaker on the back end of any defense. If you can put up with some of the BS that he brings to the table and kind of overcome it with your culture, which I thought the Ravens could do, but a lot of the players wanted him out, according to reports. But I digress. Texans are desperate. They need to do something. Why not try Earl Thomas? That, folks, is the end of our show. We thank you for listening. We continue to grow because of you. You share the podcast with your friends, with like-minded people, and we appreciate that. If you haven't already, 
please leave us a review on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you may be listening. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, we'll be plugged in throughout the week as live sports are ongoing and uh, just have an overload of it, but we love it. We'll be on Twitter at JMOTBPod, at MTOTBPod. Marv, what else do you have for the people? Keep tuning in, guys. Uh, keep giving us those great reviews. We appreciate it. Keep sharing. Sharon is Karen, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you guys next week. It's a Hold up.